put the kettle on, crack open the biscuits. It's time for From Gay to Z. Welcome, listener, to the ultimate queer parenting and pop culture podcast. I'll have an oat milk latte, please, Stu. Hello, I'm Lottie Jeffs. My pronouns are she or they, whatever, I'm easy. And I'm half of the parenting dream team that is here to bring you the latest chit-chat about LGBTQ plus parenting and the much-needed destruction of entertainment, which, frankly, we all need in our lives right now. Oh, yes. And I am the other half of that parenting dream team, Stu Oakley. My pronouns are he, him, although I still get called Mrs Oakley all the time, on the phone. Lottie, talking of coffee, can I just tell you, I'm very excited that I am now three weeks without caffeine. Wow. How are you feeling for it? Well, firstly, why are you doing it? And then secondly... (laughs) How are you feeling? I am feeling fine now. It was horrible the first week and I thought I was going to die. But I didn't, listener. I am still here to tell my tale of life after caffeine. I just... Do you know what it was? I Not to sound la-di-da, but I went to the BAFTAs on the Sunday. Mm, La-di-da, Mrs Oakley. And I was there till about 3am. And then the next morning I had to do a set visit. And I was on set from 9am the next morning. And I had to like host some people on set. And there was no coffee shop open. There was no catering like coffee on set. And I survived the day. I survived the day without caffeine and it just made me think, do I rely too much on caffeine? And I realised it's since I've become a parent that I never used to drink that much coffee, but since I became a parent, all I do is just like inject almost caffeine into my bloodstream. And I have listener, triple shot lattes. I was and- going to say Stu's order when it always makes me laugh because it's like a triple shot vanilla latte. Sugar-free like vanilla latte, yeah. Syrup or something. I was always like, a shot for each child. <laughs> it was always that's You're how the I ice coffee to... gay that we see all the memes yes. about, like constantly yes, like jiggling indeed. the ice in a cup. Yeah. Also, I read a little thing that if you suffer from stress or anxiety, which I do, and you drink coffee a lot and you drink it on an empty stomach, it can increase your body fat percentage. Oh, okay. And for someone like me who's so like obsessed with trying to keep my weight down, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's something to do with like it increases the cortisone levels. Okay. How have you been feeling with it all? And I feel so much better. I feel less bloated. I feel fine. I feel I feel more tired in the evening, but that's fine because that's when you're supposed to feel tired, right? And mm. so actually trying to get to bed earlier. And... I like that I've given up something that I'm not reliant on anymore. Like we would go out somewhere, like we'd go out with the kids. I would be saying, where is the, where is the coffee shop? I need a coffee. So I there's like it. some beautiful, like architectural wonder of the world. And you're just basically like focused on where's, where's the coffee shop. Yeah, exactly. Where's yeah. the coffee? I need coffee now. And taking that out of my life has actually made a huge difference. And I'm enjoying a bit of Rubos, naturally caffeine-free tea. Nice. Um, oh, good for you. Love this for yes. you, Stu. The whole new yeah. you, caffeine-free. Well, it, it, not that I ever, ever do anything for Lent because I just, you know, I'm not religious and I don't kind of agree in abstaining from things that much. But it did coincide with Lent. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give up caffeine for Lent. Um, but actually, I think I'm happy to just give it up. Do you know what? This is quite a fun question to ask our listeners. Mm. It's like, what is your parenting crutch? Like, what is the thing that you, that makes, 
<laughs> looking after small people bearable. or bigger people <laughs> if you've got teenagers like that much more bearable definitely for me like a very bad like five o'clock crisp and alcohol yes habit emerged during lockdown yeah, not broken that which yet. has been a big struggle to get rid of let us know what you do that gets you through the day with your kids is it coffee is it chocolate is it crisps is it watching something on your phone i don't know whatever it is let us know so we've got this fancy new way of getting in touch with us called speak pipe where it's like this big metal pipe and you just sort of (laughs) shout (laughs) your questions down into us and we may be able to hear you from the midlands uh no (laughs) i feel like that was such a dad joke of me it's a kind of technical thing where you can upload a voice note and we can play it on the show or listen to it so have a look in the show notes we put all the details of how to do it apparently it's quite easy so please do get in touch tell us um what your parenting crutches what gets you through the day when you're having to look after small people this week dear listener we have the author john mars joining us on the show in what we would like to call the perfect marriage which is a little joke that you will get if you've read john mars's book of culture and queer parenting as he himself is his gay dad yes after a career as a journalist john decided to self-publish his first book and 10 books later is now a publishing super star having had his book the one turned into a netflix tv series which was very very good and his new book the marriage act which is also very good is out now Stu you're going to have to stop me from turning this podcast interview into a whole thing about how he turns his books into TV shows and how he makes money from writing and how why he's an amazing writer and I'm just trying to get all of these tips for my own literary career <laughs> so keep me keep me on track before we welcome John hello welcome to From Gay to Z hi guys hi, hi. John it's so nice to have you join us actually before we delve into anything um or delve into you so to speak, um, <laughs> for now, for now. Um, Lottie and I are often, we were actually chatting earlier about some of the stories that have caught our eye. And there's one that I kind of wanted to get your hot take on as well, before we jump into anything about your wonderful books and the TV series you were behind, etc. the one. Basically, I don't know if you've seen this, but scientists have created mice that have two biological fathers. It was a recent development like in the last like couple of weeks where they've been able to actually generate eggs from male cells. And obviously this opens up a huge world of possibility, <laughs> potentially for the future, rightly or wrongly, and obviously gives us the tantalising prospect of same-sex couples being able to have a biological child together. From the little I know about it, I can't honestly say that it particularly sits comfortably with me. I think perhaps this is maybe science going a little bit too far. I think, I think our I, experience, yeah. if, if, we'd have, if we'd have had the option, going back, if we'd have had the option to have done it this way, say that in the future this is, you know, oh, we can do this or you can go via a surrogate, I would rather go through our surrogate, Becky, because we've built such an amazing relationship with her. And, you know, she plays an important mm. part in our little boy's life. It's almost that, like that line out in, I think, is it Jurassic, where they say, you know, we spent so long trying to work out whether we could. We didn't ever question whether we should. Yeah, what's your thoughts, Lot? Well, for a start, like, I would love to have two gay mice to be my dads. Um, <laughs> that was like a dream come true, like Sylvanian fantasy. But <laughs> if I'm missing the point, I also feel like maybe we need to be open-minded. And like, yeah, that's my that's my take. But anyway, John, we've... <laughs> 
we've, we've thrown you in. We've thrown you in. We're talking <laughs> sperm and mice already. Um, let's yeah. uh-huh. let's start actually by introducing you. And if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, your family, and your book. Yeah. Well, my name's John Mars. Um, I used to be a journalist in London. I gave that up to write full time from home. And then three years ago, my husband, also called John, just to complicate matters, um, and I uh, became, well, three and a half years now, became father to our little boy, Elliot, via surrogacy. Um, We joined an organisation, Surrogacy UK, which I'm sure you've probably heard of, Um, met an amazing potential surrogate called Becky, got to know her really well. And then about a year, just over a year and a half later, um, Elliot arrived with with the help of IV and an anonymous egg donor and now we live in a we live in a we live in a very little uh, little bubble here in a little village um, in Northamptonshire just kind of pottering on with our lights amazing <laughs> and you know you make it sort of play it down a little bit there with your books but maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your new book the marriage act and yeah where the idea came from well, I'm fortunate I get to write two different types of books for two different publishers. So for one, Thomas and Mercer, I get to write psychological fiction. And the other, for uh, Pam Millen, I get to write uh, speculative fictions that's kind of Black Mirror style, five minutes yeah, in the future kind so of So maybe and, the two mice could be a good idea for a future <laughs> speculative they fiction. They could appear. <laughs> you never know. We just need to come up with some really cool names for them. You know what? Yeah. That's the hardest part about writing a book. So I'm on. I'm currently writing books twelve and thirteen at the moment, and trying not to use names I've used in all the Same other books names. is, is impossible. Say. So the Marriage Act. The Marriage Act. Tell us. Yeah, it's kind of set five minutes in the future. So kind of. We don't, don't actually explain exactly when, but it mm. kind of explores a Britain where the government wants marriage to be the norm and encourages and punishes anyone who wants to remain single. And so it does Ooh. it by incentivising marriage mm. with these amazing perks like lower taxes, better schools for your kids, nicer areas. But there's a catch. All your conversations are recorded by an Alexa-style device in your house. And mm. uh, if their AI thinks that you are perhaps not treating your other half with the respect that they deserve. They can send you push notifications if you don't listen to those. They can send a <laughs> marriage counsellor to come and live with you. Oh, my God. If they don't agree. You know, if, that, if the marriage counsellor thinks there's no hope for you, you can be sent to a court which can divorce you, even if you don't necessarily want to get divorced. And my book follows four couples um, who Amazing. are going through this process. And does it discriminate about gender or is it gay marriage is is still no all marriage they want everybody to be married because it believes that happy marriages are happy people happy workforce helping to build back a stronger britain and you set this book in your now hometown of northampton yes and you mentioned at the top of the podcast but um when we invited you one of the first things you said is you're like well i live quite a dull life and you know (laughs) i live an ordinary day-to-day life without thinking about being a same-sex couple but You know, what was it that made you want to leave London to go to Northampton then to start your family there? Like, what was the pull to... I'm originally from Northampton, and so I lived down there for quite a few years, but I still had a house back here. And then I started commuting down to London in about 2010. Um, so I did about eight years on trains and my first five books were written on trains sitting next to the disabled toilets where there was a little bit more elbow room outside so I could do all my typing <laughs> and um, yeah I did most of my writing that way um, and then just got to the point where the books book career took off John and I were talking about family it just seemed like the right time to do it so initially we split the childcare between us so John would work three days I would work three days and then the writing really kind of exploded at one point. Um, and so John decided to take a career break for a couple of years. So he's been looking after Elliot more during the week. 
Um, we kind of like you know, he'll do like nine to five. I'll do bedtimes and so on, and then um, and then weekends I'll try and have him a little bit more and do more family stuff. Um, and it's kind of worked out for us quite well like that. And what about being in the countryside, John? Like as speaking as a Londoner, born and bred. Like obviously you you know you you weren't a Londoner that moved to the countryside as such. But how do you? enjoy village like the more villagey side of life and being part of that kind of community do you fit in have you ever had any sort of yeah never had anything negative whatsoever so elliot was born up in halifax he was born a couple of months prematurely so he was in hospital for the first month of his life and john and i basically just decamped and lived up in halifax for a month and helped out with our surrogate becky with her family because she was in hospital for a couple of weeks afterwards as well and then when we came back down to northampton and we first started taking elliot out in the push chair and stuff like that around the village the amount of people who would pull up their cars and say, oh, we heard you had a child. And this is people, some people who we'd never met before, um, just asking about how amazing they think it is. I think there was a story running concurrently on the Archers, which I've never listened to, about surrogacy. And there's quite oh, a few really? older people in our village and they, it helped them to understand. <laughs> the Archers was coming to life through. in front of their eyes. <laughs> yes. <in laughs> From the their ears to their yes. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was just amazing. And then... What, four or five months after Elliot was born, the first of the lockdowns happened. And so there was not really much else we could do. We have got a lovely country park around us and like nice kind of areas to walk. So we'd take Elliot for walks. We'd have socially distanced conversations with the neighbours who'd ask about surrogacy and how it happened. Um, and we just got to know everybody really well, a lot more through surrogacy, through Elliot, than we did mm, before yeah. we'd gone through it. So do you see that as a po- that's a positive thing then for you? Because I know for some people that would be like, why are you asking me this? I don't want to talk about it. But do you feel that that's a positive, that it's yeah. almost you're not an education, but you're providing an informative, I suppose, like service yeah. to, to the community, as it, as it were? Yeah. Because most people that we know didn't really know anything about surrogacy before it was the journey we started to go down. And so it's nice to be able to explain it. So a lot of your high-profile celebs who've gone through it have gone over to America or various other yeah. countries and paid for the experience. And in the UK, it's altruistic. There is no money that changes hands other than for expenses, and that's gone through by a court afterwards when you go for your parental order. So there's nothing... It's absolutely 100% legal and above board. And I prefer to talk about it in person with people rather than online. On a yeah. podcast. <laughs> the podcast is fine it's a safe space you keep telling it's, it's a, safe, a safe space I it's a safe you. space it jo- is John something I'm interested in when when we had our sort of brief flirtation with moving out of the city as a yeah. two mum family during lockdown when everyone was thinking the same I was wondering how I would still sort of get my sense of my queer identity in that kind of environment where I I didn't want my identity as parent to sort of trump all these other intersections of myself and for me it would always be quite important to still be able to like I guess do stuff like go out to queer spaces or see queer friends or like still feel like that part of myself was being satiated is that less important to you or do you find that sense of queerness elsewhere in your life I think I think probably my, my friends are either split split in the middle. They're either queer or not queer. Well, not that we know about anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I stay in touch with them regularly. I don't re- we don't really go out to that many queer spaces, to be honest. We um, think a lot of it's down to time as well, because I've, if I've got various books on the go, 
the time that I do have is like really quite family time. It's just me, John and Elliot. Um, but as we get, as he gets older, it is something that we want to explore more, the kind of the gay prides, the various things and show him who his dads are. It's just something that we haven't done yet, but it's something mm. that we, we definitely mm. want to do. Nice. I think it's a really nice positive message for, you know, especially if we've got a listener who's listening that maybe is thinking exactly as Lot was, that maybe it's time to escape London for various reasons at the moment. There's mm. a lot of people escaping London. But I think there is that, not a fear, but I think there is that misconception that if you could be the only gay in the village and you could have that kind yeah. of sense of you know, whether it be ignorance or homophobia or, or anything. And I think, so I think it's a really positive message that that you do, as you say, live quite a dull life in, in a Northamptonshire village. Like, Gays I think that's a really... are dull, you know. Yes. And, <laughs> you have to be fabulous all the time. I, I think though, as, also, as, I think as gay people, I, I don't know what you guys think, but I feel quite attuned to people when I meet them. It's also maybe the journalist side. I think I can read people quite well, you know, even if it's just from like a little micro expression. Um, and I, I honestly say I've never had, never met anybody in our village or, or kind of beyond or who's found out about surrogacy who's ever given us anything, anything negative whatsoever. It's been really nice. And I kind of study their expressions thinking, okay, what are you going to say now? You're like, come I mean, on, bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you always feel a little bit defensive but i've had no reason to be yeah, I think you yeah. maybe you found like this... maybe you found like some kind of like sweet spot and northampton is gonna become the next <laughs> brighton <laughs> and manchester yeah. we'll all be Bridge. flocking we're gonna start something now and everyone's gonna be flocking to northampton in like some kind of like queer circus comes to town <laughs> that's some strange like the questions i think and probably a lot of same-sex parents get like like who's the dad who's the real dad which is a little bit you know i think it's more out of ignorance than mm. out of them trying to be negative or when yeah. we first had elliot and you know um before the first lockdown and we'd go out and we'd have like little coffee shops and things like that and y occasionally you'd get um someone coming over to you or just walking past saying are we giving mum a day off and things like that oh yeah oh, don't yeah. get you started oh, john oh, please you're gonna open a can of <laughs> yeah. worms here Gosh, yeah, we've, you've got three, haven't you, Stu? Yeah, yeah, we've had that. Yeah, you must. I've had the, uh, yeah. oh, it's mum having a nice shopping day today and that kind I of thing. I just imagine like... you, Stu, you know, like in cartoons where like they get smoke coming <laughs> yeah. out of their ears. Do you ever get it though, Lottie? Um, I weirdly feel like people are like, maybe a little bit more sensitive with women. I think there's a sense that like gay men are sort of up for grabs and anyone can like ask them anything because they're just sort of, you know, there's like this trope of a gay man that I think people just feel like they have more like access or you're going to just be fun and funny and easy whereas I think with yeah. women maybe people are a little bit more like wary um so I don't feel like I've ever had it in that sense I might I think I tend to offer the information as well like preempt it so mm. like say oh I didn't you know I didn't carry her like certainly when she was a baby she just goes up to people on the street John and just goes hi I'm a lesbian <laughs> before you ask <laughs> <laughs> Totally. One thing, just touching on when you're talking about living in a village, one thing that's great, um, the next village along to us where Elle goes to nursery, it's great because they're very sensitive like when it comes to um, even like Mother's Day. So we're talking, we were talking this week about Mother's Day and then all the kids are making cards and they ask what we want to do. And so every year we'll give a, uh, we'll give a Mother's Day card to like a strong female presence in Elliot's life. Um, nice. So he really enjoys doing that, but also there, are, there he's not um, he's not the only uh, kid in in the class with same sex parents. So there's another his little friend there, uh, Theo, who uh, we didn't know his parents, but uh, they're two mums. 
Oh, isn't that uh, great? Uh, such uh, a You're yeah, not the only gay in the village. There as well. No, no, Elle's not the only uh, only really one nice. with same-sex parents. Oh, that's so this great. This was really lovely. I love that. That's really nice. We are going to be right back with the wonderful John Mars after this short break. And we're back talking to John Mars about all things queer parenting and literary. So, John, we actually have some fun quick-fire questions now for you, if you're up for it. Some Hit me. parenting ones. Hit Hopefully me. this will make a nice change for you, because as you said, you know, you don't often talk about the parenting side of your your life. Probably you're more used to answering quick fire questions about your writing process and things so hopefully this won't be too arduous for you so our first question is what from your childhood that you were like mega passionate about would you love Elliot to share your passion for well when I went to when I was a kid we went to Canada for a few weeks and then when I was about five we came back with a cookie monster and I've so I've had it all these years and I've been desperate for Elliot to love it as much as I did and he does not give a stuff Mm -hmm. about it (laughs) He's got two ping-pong eyeballs. So he's got two ping-pong eyeballs and he was jumping up and down and cracked one of them and I was devastated. Oh, no. Does not care. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, what a shit. (laughs) (laughs) John, who is your queer parent hero? You're not allowed to say Lottie or I, even if you were going to. (laughs) Well, of course I was. Um, It might be a bit of a cop-out of an answer, but I'm going to go for every same-sex couple who came before us when it comes to surrogacy because they paved the way for us to do it. If it wasn't for them, I don't think, you know, I I don't know whether we would have been brave enough to investigate it ourselves. Mm. So I'm going for... That's not good answer. What is your toxic parenting trait? I think sometimes I need to stop swearing as much which is a bit bad because now um, Elliot seems to think that the word before door is effing because the amount of times that I've struggled to get doors open in the car and I've always, so it's a couple of times he's tried to open the car door and he said, I can't get the effing car door open. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, how do you and John relax when the kids are asleep? Um, we veg out in front of the telly. At the moment, I'm doing a lot of like kind of work at the moment, writing-wise to hit deadlines up until about nine-ish. Then we'll just do like veg out in front of the telly or I like to potter around in the garden like a pensioner and then in the light nights, <laughs> like the neighbours come around and we talk about blooms. It's, um, yeah, <laughs> really exciting stuff. That's my relaxation. <laughs> That's where I can clear my mind. Yeah. <laughs> what it, would you take on a desert island with you if you were marooned with your children? What three things would you need to survive? Am I allowed a Just Eat account and a drone delivery? Because I cannot cook. And a, and <laughs> I the think growth yes, spurt. you're allowed. Okay. And because the Elliot's yeah. going through a real growth spurt at the moment, and we're thinking of moving into Waitrose until it in, just because we can't keep up with him. Um, <laughs> I think books as well, just because I have I've love, love reading them too. And we have like a little nighttime ritual, got an armchair in his room. I'll sit and read him, or John will sit and read him a few books before bed. Then he'll have cuddles. He'll fall asleep on us and then go into his mm-hmm. um, go into his bed. But John the other day said, do you think it's time we got rid of the armchair? I'm like, no, no, no. absolutely not. That's going to be there till he's 18. No. Yeah. That's what How I old is he now? How old is Elliot? Uh, Three and a half, so no, I want to keep this going as long as possible. Yeah, do, 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 do. So I think the books and the armchair and the Just Eat account. Love it. Great. What is the most fabulously queer thing you've ever done with Elliot? I've kind of tried and failed to teach him the lyrics to Madonna's Ray of Light. That hasn't quite worked. (laughs) Uh, Instead, he's always obsessed with Katy Perry's Raw and Rihanna's Diamonds. I think that's quite, I mean, that's a gay anthem. Do you think so? 
I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's great. He just likes the oh, 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 oh bits, and he knows all the words to it now. Amazing. And the yeah, and uh, and Rihanna's diamonds. He loves that because he can do little hand actions and stuff. Oh like yeah. That. Oh nice. Yeah. Yes. Um, what kind of parent to a teenager do you think you'll be? I would like to think that I would be a really cool parent and that he'll read my books and think, well, that's not bad. But in reality, I'll be Adina from Ab Fab wearing lycra and inappropriate <laughs> clothes to try and stay in hair transplants and Botox. Yeah. And finally, John, what books inspire you? Or is there anything good you've read lately that you could recommend to queer parents who just need to escape into a good book? I think... The, quite a few years ago now, The Beach, that really made me want to write. I, mm. I absolutely love that Alex Garland's The Beach. Love and Catching the Rye. Catching the Rye stayed with me for a very long time. Did it at school and I might return to it every few years. And I think A Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne has the most wonderful queer characters in it. It's uh, kind of like set over about 80 years and it's absolutely one of my all-time favourites. So what one's one that, that called again? The Heart's Invisible oh. Furies. Oh, I've never of heard course, that. I'm going to add that course, to my list. The Queer Parent by a couple of writers whose names escape me. Apparently, <laughs> is the well, book. Wow. The book well, you're reading what can in we say, John? Yes. Um, thanks for that. Well, John, it's been so brilliant chatting to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, your new book is out now, am I right? That's right, now yes. Or not quite? Yeah, great. Yeah, and we'll look out for Thank you next. for having me because I've listened to, I've listened to your podcasts for, for uh, what, a couple of years now. Um oh. And I really enjoyed them and I found them really, both of John Aww. and I found them really invaluable. So thank you for everything that you guys Oh, that's, oh, that's so lovely nice. to Let's, hear. Got thank that you, on tape so we can record, <laughs> play that to ourselves over and over again on those low, those low days. <laughs> thank you, John. Take thank care. You, John. Have a great day with the family. Cheers, guys. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you, John. Bye. Right. Before we go, Lot, and deal with our little people in our lives, I think we have time for a little problem shared and sharing this one from a listener who sent us this voice note. I'd love some advice as our little one has started nursery and despite us explaining during our visits that I'm mommy and my wife is mummy, they still just call me mummy and this upsets the boys. I don't want to upset the teacher but I do want her to understand the importance of calling us the correct names. So what can I do to ensure that they're referring to us properly by our parent names, as in the short time I've been there, I've already been made to feel uneasy? Mm. I do think this is an interesting Ooh, one. What do you think, Interesting Doc? one. I've actually... It is, but I've... So I've never heard mommy and mummy before, but of course, makes perfect sense. So the first thing I would say is, like, maybe it's quite a subtle difference and maybe it's as simple as the nursery teacher isn't hearing the difference and maybe you are just because you know it and you know it's clear to you and it's clear to your kid but maybe it's worth just Mm -hmm. you know it's all about like how you approach these things when you talk to people if you're like excuse me there's a big problem my name's actually mommy it's not mommy like that's going to cause awkwardness for everyone it's going to make the nursery teacher feel bad but like with a bit of a sense of humor a bit of a lightness of touch you can broach these subjects without them becoming big issues because this doesn't need to be a big issue you can sort this out like super easily so my advice would be just take someone aside and say even maybe like acknowledge that it's quite hard to hear the difference and maybe sort of give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they just aren't hearing it and say look maybe you know I know it's a bit of a subtle difference but my wife's actually mommy with an o and I'm mummy with a u and for our kid 
this is as different as mum and dad is as two parent names. So I, I would always just be really honest and upfront and nip it in the bud. I think that's really good advice, Lot. It's kind of similar to what I was saying. I also would like to add to that that it's it's also about intention, right? And I think because the words are so similar, there probably isn't malice there or bad intention. It's just, as you say, the teacher's probably just mistaking it or getting it wrong. And I think there is... I think there are some things in life that we need to give people the benefit of doubt for sometimes. Um, Oh, definitely. Like John and I, I'm daddy, John is dad. And sometimes people call me dad and call him daddy. And you know what? I think we just go with it. The kids sometimes correct them. No, it's daddy. Mm. Or no, it's dad. And, And they will do it themselves. But I don't, it's never happened in any kind of, it's not like she's looking them directly in the eye and going, or maybe she is, I don't know, but it's not like she's looking them in the eye and going, oh, go to mummy, knowing that that's <laughs> mommy. It's not like some kind of like malicious way of doing it. So I think sometimes no. give people the benefit of the doubt. And as you say, just nicely explain, oh, by the way, I'm mommy and she's mummy. Yeah. And then it's really nice when they do get it right. I remember yeah. when I was taking my daughter to nursery that when... I felt like her nursery teacher had really sort of listened and appreciated the importance of the difference. And so she'd always say, oh, mama's here today, or mummy's here today. And that meant quite a lot to Mm. us. So yeah, I think you're right to flag it, talk to them, use a bit of a sense of humour, lightness of touch, and just move on. So if you are impressed by our problem-solving skills... um, (laughs) Or or not. (laughs) Perhaps quite the opposite. Then send us a voice note to speakpipe.com forward slash from gay to z and we'll put our agony aunt hats on um, and try and help you. We'll try. We'll try our very best. Thank you so much for listening today. Honestly, it takes me about two years to read one single book, but it's good to know about some of the new ones. Hey, lot. <laughs> totally. And so important that we support our fellow queer writers. And perhaps this is also a good time to mention that you and I have written a book. And as well as buying John Miles' new book, you should perhaps think about buying The Queer Parent or pre-ordering it online. Um, so you are one of the first to read What a drop. love to hear. What a drop. <laughs> seamless. So... If you have found the time to read a good book or watch a TV show or listen to a new album and you want to share it with us, you think it's worth us knowing about and telling other people about, please do slide into our DMs on social. We are at From Gay to Z. And also check out our weekly Substack newsletter for more fun queer chat. We'll leave a link for that in the show notes as well. Goodbye until next week. And don't forget to like us, follow us and perhaps even leave a review. Not that we're needy or anything. We're a little bit needy, perhaps. We're very needy. Yeah, you like us. You really like us. (laughs) Follow me. (laughs) 